right, so this is what I want to do as we transition. Um, I want everybody, Tyler's not here to take my podium for me. I want every, yeah, Jared, what are you doing? Um, I feel like right there, it's like we were talking about, I mean, every song that we sung today was just us glorifying Jesus for what he's done. I want us to see the, the freedom and the, the, the presence and the understanding that comes when you thank Jesus and when you glorify him. Like, man, we, like last night, Taya was talking about something with me and I said, all right, 10 things you're thankful for. (laughs) And it's like, when you get done, like being thankful and what you're doing is you're glorifying him, right? You're glorifying what he's done and you're thankful. Like discouragement, discontentment, um, depression, all that stuff has to go when you're thankful because, and when we lose sight of thankfulness, man, that's, it's one of the enemy's biggest ploys is to try to get us to be unthankful because when you're unthankful, then everything's wrong, right? And you're looking at everything that's wrong and it makes you discontent. And then you're not present and you can't really receive anything from anybody because you're not, because you're not realizing that you're thankful. So this is what I want us to do is every person out loud I want you to thank him for five things in your life. It can be that you're standing up right now. If you can't find anything, you're breathing air, right? So I want you to say out loud, and don't, I don't want you to sit there and think it in your heart. I want you to say it out loud, five things that you're thankful for, okay? So we're gonna start. Everybody's gonna do it. Worship team, you guys can turn your mic off if you don't want everyone to hear you. But we're all gonna say it. B can keep playing a little bit, so it's not so awkward for you guys, but out loud, five things. If you can't come up with five things, come up with, okay? So, all right, ready? Let's rock and roll. Do you feel that in your heart though? You see, this is what it looks like to commune with the Holy Spirit and commune with the Father, right? That's why everything Paul says when he says prayer, he says do it with thanksgiving is because you've been given everything in Christ. So like when you wanna walk in patience, you've been given patience in Christ. So you thank him for it in your heart. You thank him for creating you in that image. This is what, when we've been talking about grace, this is us positioning ourselves in, in grace in the shower to receive it is you're thanking him for what's already available for you. So if you're lacking something, you can thank him for creating you and walking you and, and changing you into that image. Does that make sense? This is what it looks like to put off the old man and to put on the new man is because you're pretty much renouncing what you are and accepting what he's created you into. So it's something that I do all the time. If I just feel like I'm 
worried or anxious, I'll just be like, all right, Holy Spirit, I just thank you. And I just begin to just thank him and let his presence fill my heart because I'm not going to, I'm not going to live in that, especially when God paid a high price for me, right? I'm not going to let, I'm not going to let lies try to dictate my life. I just won't do it. So I just want to, I just wanted to do something practically and you guys can feel it in the room, just the position of your heart. And this is why worship is so important is because that's what we're doing. And what the enemy tries to do in worship is to get your eyes off of him and on yourself. And when you do that, you're not thankful. That's why you enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, right? So the way we enter the gate, right? You walk into an, a place, a gate into your house, a gate into your front yard. It's your domain. It's where you live. We walk into that place with thanksgiving. So if we feel like we are having a hard time connecting with God, just begin to thank him, right? So I want you guys to greet your neighbor as we sit down. Not your neighbor, somebody you don't know I met. <clears throat> oh, grace the Brandon. Nice to meet you. <laughs> can't say the same thing I say when we thank people. I'm sitting here like, Father, I thank you for your grace on my life. You're sitting there, I thank you for your grace. Like word for word what I said. How are you, sir? Thanks for making it fun. Yeah, it's always fun. Have you been, you been in the sun? No, why? I'm just filled with the spirit. Oh, yeah, you've been. He's hot. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were in Florida or something, living it up. Oh, not yet. <laughs> so, yes, welcome to Jesus Church. Um, before we start, um, we, 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 will, we will not have prayer this Wednesday, okay? Everybody, does that make sense? No prayer this Wednesday. Um, we're going to transition to having prayer every second and fourth Wednesday, okay? Um, I'll have the graphic next week for us. I forgot to do it. <clears throat> but every second and fourth Wednesday of every month, we're going to have prayer. Um, we've been doing it every week, but we're going to transition into second and fourth. Does that make sense? Does everyone want to say that out loud? When is prayer? Okay. Yes. Wednesday, second and fourth Wednesday of every month is going to be prayer from here on out, okay? <laughs> then it's off for two weeks, so you can pray at home. So, um, yeah, and then I'm not going to pitch it again, but you guys all know the spaghetti dinner. <laughs> Judy gave me a hard time last week, but you guys probably didn't forget it. A lot of you guys remember that there was a spaghetti. You didn't know. Yeah. At the door? You can buy them beforehand. Yes. So, Robin, you want to raise your hand? Yes, Robin. <laughs> That's Robin. You can see her. She's in the cafe. She'll, she's selling tickets. It's, I think it's $8 for an uh, individual, 30 for a family. So, um, if you've got a family of 35, you've got a killer deal. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. 
Um, but yeah, just to raise some money for, um, we're going to send a team to, to South Africa in April, which is going to be awesome and super cool. Um, I don't think there's any other announcements. The 28th of January. Yeah, there's, there's little flyers on the table, and Gannon should be back there throwing the, the graphic up, but I think he's out getting coffee, so. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't worry about that. We'll, we'll take care of that. <clears throat> um, yeah, so we will have space for people to eat. We'll get you, like, a little fold-down thing right here for, like, like an airplane meal. We'll have people going by. Bumping, we'll just bump your shoulders just to make you feel like you're on an airplane. Um, but yeah, so I don't think there's any other announcements. Taya? Jared? Okay. Um, so what have we been talking about the last couple months, weeks? Grace and mercy, okay. What's the difference between grace and mercy? Steve, what's the difference between grace and mercy? No. What's the difference? With, I thought you were looking at me like you wanted to answer. You were just chewing your food. Amen. Right? Mercy forgives you. Grace empowers you. Super, super easy to say it just like that. Well done, John. Mercy forgives you. Grace empowers you. Um, I was thinking, and I was talking to somebody about it this week. I don't remember who it was, but um, just talking about God writing, God writes his laws on our hearts. We all agree with that. Is when we get saved, we get a new heart, we get a new nature, we get a new, we become a new creation, and our heart and our desire is to walk in his ways. But grace is giving us the ability to now walk in those ways. Right? I, I always tell people, like, <clears throat> we know we need Jesus to heal the sick and raise the dead, but we also need him to love our spouses and love our kids. Right? We think that like, oh, when it comes to healing, yeah, I really need God's grace and I really need his power and I really need his ability. But then we think like the rest of the Christian life will do in our own strength, right? Anything that, you, anything that you do in your own strength ultimately comes down to you being a good Christian and biting your lip and it's just behavior modification. And we all know how that works in our lives. We've tried that. So we have to uh, position ourselves and receive grace that teaches us and grows us and changes us. There's a difference between grace and mercy. We have to understand that. Grace does not, and I, I was, I don't remember who I was talking to, but well, maybe it was Matt. No, I don't remember if it was you or not. But it's grace, and this is, this is something that, oh, it was a different friend of mine, sorry, not Matt. Um, grace, apart from transformation, is perverted. Okay, so if, you, if you're ever sharing or hearing grace that doesn't transform you, then you're not hearing true grace, right? Because people will say, well, there's just grace for me and I can do whatever I want. Grace always transforms you. Grace calls you higher and grace makes you new. Does that make sense? So if you, because there's a lot of <clears throat> people will say, oh, well, there's, there's just grace for us and, and whatever. And, it, and it's like, and I mean, that's what people have always said is there's a light, there's, there, that's what they're scared to do when they preach grace. Unconditional love, unconditional favors. Then people don't, don't want to, <sighs> Grace, grace always transforms. That's its nature. That's what it does. Grace calls us higher. It makes us into that image. I always tell people, I'm like, the, the majority of the time I'm talking to people, I'm not talking to hypocritical people. 
The reason that you come on Sunday, the reason that you want to grow, you're not here just because you, nobody woke, nobody woke up today thinking, how can I really use the grace of God to just live in my own, live in my own self and not, not live up for, to God's standard and not live for God? Nobody woke up thinking, okay, yeah, I really, how can I like manufacture and finagle this grace on my behalf so I can do whatever I want? Did anyone think like that? And if you did, you should get saved. Right? Because when you're saved, your heart wants God. That's why, like, we, we just need to realize the majority of people are just doing the best they know with what they know. And that's why we have to understand that grace is our ability to walk that out now. And grace gives us the ability and the strength and the power to look like Jesus, okay? So look at this. I'm going to continue in this vein because there's so much scriptures for this, it's unbelievable. Look at Titus chapter 2. <clears throat> Titus chapter 2 and verse 11, okay? It says, for the, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. So that means that the gospel is for everybody. And grace is available for everybody, not the select few. You guys see that? All men. Teaching us that. So what is grace's job? To teach us. This is what it teaches us. Denying ungodliness and worldly lust. That we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. What does the word zealous mean? Excited, Excited right? So the, so the Lord redeemed you with his blood and he, and he purified you that now you are zealous to do what he wants you to do. Does that make sense? That's, that's, what, that's why it's so amazing is God doesn't look at Simon's life. Simon's always the guy that I pick on. He doesn't look at Simon's life and say, well, Simon doesn't have any heart for me at all. His love and his grace now comes. His love impacts Simon in such a way that it, it brings him to repentance, like Romans chapter 2 says. Now he's changed and now he gives Simon a new heart with new desires and wants. Does that make sense? That's why we have to, we really have to believe in the, in the, we have to believe in the gospel transforming people because we look at people's lives and we'll say, man, I'm, I used to think about this, that there's no way, that there's no way the people that I encountered, I'm like, they're not going to want to do what I would do. They're not going to want to go after Jesus like I go after Jesus. And I thought like, I, could, I was looking at a lost, blind, dead heart and saying that they don't want God. And that's, of course, that's, that's obvious. And thinking that there's no way that they're going to want to want God right? What I'm doing is I'm just not believing in the love and the power of Jesus to actually transform somebody. 
Because when, when, when you're encountered by the love of God, like we have out on, out on the wall, we love him in response. So when they encounter that love, everybody wants Jesus, they just don't know it. Everybody's for God, they just don't know it. Right? I, I remember the Lord said that. He goes, Dylan, everybody's for you, they just, don't under, they just don't know. Even the people that are in opposition against you, they're for you, they just don't understand. And I was like, man, that's really good, Lord. Because then you see like, okay, what God does, he looks at Simon's life and he says, all I got to do is get Simon to see my love, give me place, and I'm going to make him brand new. And then I'll put my spirit in him now to walk that thing out. Right? That's the gospel. It's the, tra- it's the transformation of life. It's so funny because like this right here is not, there's grace on our behalf so that we can go to heaven one day. That's why the gospel is not about going to heaven. And I say it all the time because there's so many things in our lives, so many things, so many ideas and questions that we have about situations. If we would settle that right there in our heart, that the gospel came to transform us into the image of God, it would answer a lot of questions in the church. Because people are like, well, what about this? And what does God think about this? I'm like, God's goal is to make you look like Jesus. So if what you're asking me about doesn't, doesn't line up with him transforming you to look like his son, then that's probably not the truth. Does that make sense? People will be like, well, what is God going to do with these kind of people? And what does God do with this? And can you still actually follow Jesus and be saved if you're like this? All of that, he wants to transform it. Does that make sense? Has anyone ever, has anyone ever heard that or thought that? Has anyone ever said that like, well, what does God do with answer this sin or insert this sin? They'll say, well, what does God do with people that are like this? Has anyone ever heard that? What, God, what does God do with, I remember this one guy who was like, well, what do you do with addicts? I'm like, well, what do you mean what do I do with addicts? What do I do with selfish people? They get born again and they get changed. That's what I do. It's like because they, we elevate all these different sins, right? They're like, what, do, what does God do with homosexuality? What does God do with this? What does God do with that? All of that can change in the person of Jesus and in the power of grace. Does that make sense? But if our goal is how do we do this and still make it to heaven, then we have, the wrong, we have the wrong perspective of Christianity. That's why we come together to stir each other up to look more like him. Or we're just coming here just to talk good messages so that one day Jesus can come rescue us from the big bad devil and how bad everything's going. Does that make sense? Man, I'm preaching really good. I really am. <clears throat> because there's so many questions. They're like, well, man, this is... I live my life making... And this is, a, this is what happened. I got saved. I did not understand the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. So I was doing my best to live for God and not measuring up. Has anyone ever lived that way? Right? Condemned all the time and feeling like I'm not worthy. And feeling like one day Jesus is going to come and take everybody that's a believer around me and leave me here. Right? And I'm going to find their clothes on the ground. Right? It doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know if we're going to be naked in heaven. I'm sure we'll have like a robe of righteousness. But I don't know if there's going to be like a bin at the door that we're going to drop our clothes in or it'll be like a left behind. Right? We, we, we watch the left behind movies. Did anybody watch those when you're growing up? I'm scared to death, dude, my whole life. I'm like thinking, man. And then I'm thinking like, if I get left, is there still a chance that I can make it? And the whole time I'm trying to say, am I going to measure up to what God's standard is? And am I, am I going to get to the place to where I'm going to live right? And eventually then I'll make it to heaven and I have no confidence before God right? We, that's why we don't live like that. So I live my whole life striving and struggling, not realizing that grace was my ability to be transformed, not my ability to go to heaven one day. Because what will, this is what happens is we preach a lot of messages and a lot of things to people and we'll say, okay, 
you're always going to be like this, but praise God, there's grace. When grace transforms. Do you see what I'm saying? That's the perversion. Anything that leaves you where you're at is not grace. Does that make sense? Because they'll say, well, this is the way that a man is, and this is the way that a man is going to treat a woman in a relationship or in a marriage. Jesus doesn't live like that. So if G- I, that's why I always run everything by the life and the person of Jesus. If, it, if I can't find it in his life, if I don't see it in his mo- in emotions, if I don't see it in his pursuit and the way he treats people, then I don't want it in my life, and that's not what I'm called to. Does that make sense? Because then what we'll do is say, well, this person's like this, and this person struggles with this sin, and this person struggles with this sin, but there is no freedom in any of it, right? So then we're serving Jesus just to help us get along, and it's praise God he considers us, and maybe one day we're going to find acceptance in his sight, and in the sweet by and by, it'll all be changed. Has anyone ever thought like that? Here's the problem. Is your life, does, you do not want to live like that. Right? There's things in your life that nobody, that you guys want to see changed. But when you believe even a little bit of that, you'll say, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace and I can't actually be transformed. And then you'll wake up every day and you really will not have relationship with Jesus like you can. Because you, you'll, you will always be in bondage to sin. And that's why Jesus came to set us free from sin. Romans chapter 6. Because he takes that away and now empowers us to know the grace of God is teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust, that we could live soberly, righteously, and something else in this present age. I can't remember what it says. Godly. That's the big one, right? We can live God-like because of his grace and his mercy. Does that make sense? Is there any questions on that? Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Ephesians chapter uh, three. Let's look at it. Huh? I'll repeat the question. Um, Ephesians, I meant Ephesians chapter four. So his question is, how do you go from re- like understanding now that you've received that grace. You're not trying to measure up anymore, but you've received that grace. You understand that you've been changed, but now wanting to live up to that, how do you go from, okay, now I understand that I've been made right with God, but now I want to live up to it. What, what does it look like practically to position yourself to, to grow? Does that make sense? Is that pretty much your question? I know I said it in a different way, but is that good? Is that exactly right? Okay. So look at Ephesians chapter four. Uh, verse 17. This is amazing because this is right after what he talks about with, with church and, and pastors and leaders and our job to look like Jesus. And he goes right into this right here. So this is why we gather. This is why church. This is why. What time is it? This is why we, this is why we do church. Okay. We do church. What does successful church look like? Really quick before, I will answer your question, I promise, Marty. But what does successful church look like? Think about it in your mind right now. Next Sunday, 
If you said, wow, Jesus Church is exactly what God wants it to be and what it looks like, what does it look like in your heart? A loving family. Here's the thing. That's, you're right. But here's the thing. If it does not look like a body of believers pursuing the image of God, then you have the wrong picture. Because we have a lot of other things and a lot of other um, metrics. Measure, is that a me- metrics? A measure? Yeah. A lot of other metrics, right? So it's like Jared says it all the time. He's like, the, the, the kingdom and business is totally different. Like your metric on business and what it looks like, and we try to do church like a business, it's not the same as what God looks like. You understand? Jesus looks at things totally different than you do. Jesus lived his entire ministry and ended up with 120 people in one room, and there was multitudes following him everywhere. And he could have went to heaven and there would have been like, you had 120, that's all you got, right? You know what I'm saying? Like we could fit 120 in this, in this room right here very comfortably, very comfortably, Right? I think it's 150 if we sat everybody shoulder to shoulder. So comfortably 120. You guys got room to move around, right? So 120 guys, Jesus poured his life out, the best minister that's ever walked the earth, and he is God in the flesh, and he left 120, and he's like, that's success, right? Because he had 120 people that understood what the gospel was and that were waiting for the power of the Holy Spirit so that they could go out and reproduce that same image. That's why God looks at things completely different than we do. That's why I'm like... From the very beginning, I'm like, Lord, I want to know what it looks like to be successful because I'm not trying to build on other people's standards, right? And that's why the Lord said, he's like, a heart yielded to me is successful. So when you have someone's heart or your own personal heart, you're like, what does it look like to be successful? I, my heart is completely subject and given to God and yielded to him in his hand to whatever he wants. You're a successful Christian because now it doesn't matter where you're at in your walk. You're being successful in that place because you're surrendered to him. So now times that by however many people are in this room, my goal is to get you guys to see that and give your life to him because I'm the one that can't really transform you. He can. So everything that we do, we come together. We're like, we're coming to give ourselves to the Lord, to see him clearly and be transformed into his image. And we want to look like him, right? So I'm not trying to do all these things to get people to come in the door. I'm trying to teach things that we see Jesus and we be transformed, right? That's why it's not about numbers. It's about transformation, it's not about, it's, I'm trying to say this without, it's not about all the other things that we make it about. Everything has to be about transformation. And that's why what we do at Jesus Church, our goal is to see people transform. And that's why when you hear me preach, I don't just preach things that just tickle your ears and are super nice. Because transformation takes growth, takes humility, and it takes corrections. You know what I'm saying? In our thinking, there's constant corrections in our thinking. The Lord corrects me all the time. Like I always sit there, I'm like, Lord, is there anything that you can rebuke out of my life? Is there anything that you can, that you can tell me that I'm doing wrong? Like, because I want to, and most of the time he's like, dude, you just need to chill out. Stop asking me that all the time. Like you're doing some things right. Let's talk about that. Like, you know what I'm saying? But I'm like, I want to, cause I'm like, I know I want to just be chiseled. Like we talked about with the David statue, Lauren was talking about it. It's like the David statue, the guy's like, how how did, you, how did you build that David statue? And he says, oh, it's easy. I just chiseled away everything that wasn't David. And that's, that's what Christianity is, is we're positioning ourselves under the hand of the master sculpture potter and saying, I just want you to chisel away everything that's not Jesus in my life. And if my heart is positioned there, there might be things that I, don't, that I haven't actually 
walked in or been transformed in or things that I might not even experience yet because I haven't ex- made it to this point in my life, but my heart is yielded, so I'm successful, right? So I've positioned myself to be yielded to him. So now, regardless of where I'm at or where I'm going, I know that I'm gonna, my heart is, is I want what you want. Like there's no, let's say like Jared right now, I can't, Jared doesn't know what his heart is like when he is praised by a bunch of people, right? Let's say he has, he has a church of 200 people. He doesn't know what it's like to say all those 200 people say that he's amazing because he's not there yet, but he is going to be there, but his heart's yielded to God right now. So when he gets there, he, if it's wrong, if he's taking that praise and being, wow, this is amazing, the Lord will be like, hey, that's not right, but his heart was yielded back here. You see what I'm saying? There's always going to be growth in our life. Our job is to just abide in him. So I don't know how I got on that, but that's what, that's what church looks like. And if we don't understand that, then we'll try to, we'll look at things and we'll say, well, we need, we need to do this and we need to do that. Or we'll look at, we'll look at the, the, the loudest or biggest, or I say loudest as in the one that you can see the best. And we'll, we'll build according to that blueprint instead of according to this blueprint. You understand, like, think about this. Let's say, that, let's say that the Lord spoke to Gannon and said, Gannon, I want you to go preach my gospel to Romania. And Gannon went over there, and he had f- three guys that he poured his life into, and they ended up looking like Jesus. Would that be successful in the Lord's eyes? See, that's why you're diligent with what you have and what you, you have to build. So Gannon could give his life to that right there, and that would be successful. Now, think about this, though. Is these three guys going to go out and change the world? Of course. And that's why, that's why Jesus' model is discipleship and multiplication. It's like, who's more important, Billy Graham or the guy that led Billy Graham to the Lord? You know what I'm saying? Like, really, who is more important? <laughs> right? Jesus is. Exactly. Because we think, that really, that's what it is, is we think it's all about us. We think it's about how, we, how well we can build things. And it's like, well, the Lord's given me this. It's, a, it's, this, it's the story in the parable of the stewards. He's given each person a stewardship. Like, this is what you've been given. Now steward what you've been given. That's it. You don't have to go and try to, all right, I need to steward all this stuff. No, it's just like, this is what he's given me. This is what I'm going to do. All right, maybe you're a stay-at-home mom and this is all you have, your kids right now. You're like, well, I'm not doing all this stuff. Well, you have these. Make disciples. Right? Parenting is the greatest picture of discipleship that God has given us. And if we can see that, man, we'll change everything. Because now when I encounter somebody and I lead Jared to the Lord, I know that as discipleship is God's goal of raising up sons and daughters in the faith that, that walk and talk like you. So you're not saying, well, now I need to transform Jared in just two or three months. It's like, no, I'm just committed to you for the rest of my life. I'm here for you. I'm going to grow you in Jesus, and we're going, to, we're going to take this walk together. Now, you might be a three-year-old, and you might be a 16-year-old, but it doesn't matter. I'm still here for you. And the problems that you have at three are still going to, are going to be different problems than you have at 16, but we're going to be together walking together. And that's why community is so important, and disciples being discipled in community. Does that make sense? Is there any questions on that? Yeah. Yeah, that's, what I'm, that's where I'm going to go. But Marty just left, so maybe I should just keep talking until he gets back. Dang it. Yeah, he's just like, I'm out of here, dude. This guy, he asks for questions and doesn't even want to answer them. Like, he's just kind of doing that. <clears throat> but no, we, we, and maybe I will just kind of talk for a minute before we get into that. We have to see this in, in, in community, in Jesus' church, because our goal 
is to raise up community of believers that do life together, that are being transformed into his image. It doesn't matter if it's here. It doesn't matter if it's in a different country. It doesn't matter if it's in a different city or if it's in our home. Our goal is, all right, these are the people that are here, and we're all growing after Jesus with our whole hearts, and we want to be encouraged by him. Here's something that I think in discipleship is super important, is we should, like I said with the Lord, I'm like, Lord, is there anything that you see that's not fruitful in my life? It's like, I remember in my life, I would sit down with leaders and people I trusted and say, hey, is there anything that you see that's not fruitful in my life? When's the last time you ever done that? When's the last time you've done that with the Lord? When's the last time you've done that with somebody you trust? Just say, hey, like, is there anything that you see as somebody that I trust in the Lord to shepherd me and to grow me? Is there anything that you see that is not fruitful? That, and I'm not going to, because my heart is changed, my heart is transformation, I want to grow. So is there something that you see that, sh- that, could be, that could be changed? And it's not a legalistic way. It's just knowing that when that's spoken and somebody says, yeah, I see this and I think that it would be fruitful if, like, if you just address that in your heart. It's not like, hey, you're a dirty old sinner. It's like, no, like this is where you're called to. And the reason that we're addressing this is because that's not who you are. And this comes right back to what we're talking about with Marty. See, he's back. So you're good. You can, you don't have to worry about it anymore. When's the last time you guys have ever done that? Right. I used to do that with people all the time. Like people I trusted. Cause I'm like, I really, I really want to know. Like, I remember I asked Shane when we were spending time together, I was like, do you feel I'm ready to, to start a church? Because I was, I was planning on coming home and doing it. And I was like, he's just like, yeah, honestly, I do. And it was like, that was just so assuring of me. Because I'm like, I just want you to tell me straight up. Like, if I'm not ready, just tell me I'm not ready. Like, if I need to work on some things and need to mature a little bit, you just need to tell me. And I just remember telling, like, I remember asking, like, some, old, I was going to say old men in the faith. Some old guys in the faith, I mean. But no, I really did ask some old guys in the faith, some guys that are grayer than me. And just be like, am I too, am I too young? You just need to tell me right now if I'm too young. I'll, I'll wait till I'm 30. And he's just like, what does that have to do with anything? I'm like, I appreciate that. That's what the Bible says, right? So when's the last time that you, in community, that's why it's important to say, hey, once you look at my life and tell me if there's anything that I need to address, if there's anything that I need to grow or anything that I'm doing well in, is there anything that you admire in me? We always think that it's gotta be some prophetic word. What if it's just something that you see in people that you wanna affirm? Does that make sense? So that's why, that's, why Bible, that's why church and biblical community is so important. So back to Marty's question. Okay. Do you guys remember Marty's question? How do you transition? What's the transition look like from understanding now that you've received righteousness, you've been made pure, and now like what we just said, let's say Jared says, hey, I don't see that this is fruitful in your life. Like, okay, how do I go from, I know I'm not created in that picture. I know I'm not, I don't, I know that that pride is not supposed to be in me, but I've, but I've been walking in that and I didn't see it. So how do I go from, I know I'm not supposed to be prideful in this situation to, I don't want to be prideful. I want to be humble. So how do you transition from, I know I'm like, God's not judging me. God's not rejecting me. Like he wants to grow me. Does that make sense? God wants you to bring things that are not fruitful to him so that he can prune you and change you and grow you. That's why it's so funny to me. I was talking to this guy about this a while back. He's like, I was like, what? I was like, what does God reject? Like, I said, does your, does sin reject? Let me how to say this. Does sin keep you from God? He's like, well, of course. I said, who can set you free from sin? He's like, well, only God can. I was like, that's weird that the only thing that can set you free is God, and that's the thing that's keeping you from him. He's like thinking. And he's like, 
well, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. And I was like, so sin is not to what's separating you from God. Unbelief is. Right? God, God said, I love you and made, and made a way for you to be changed out of sin. There's a transformation. So it's like, whatever the issue is, that's why it doesn't matter what the problem is. It can be in our minds, little sins, giant sins. You come to him, you can be transformed to look like him. But you have to bring that to him. That's, that's the, man, there's so, I know there's so many things I want to go into, but I can't. Okay. Think about this. Okay. I I, I gotta say it. In the Old Testament, the Levitical priesthood, the, the, with, with all the sacrifices, everything, when man would make a mistake, what would they do? They would bring a sacrifice to the priest, right? And the priest would sacrifice that on their behalf and their sins would be changed, right? Jesus now, and if Hebrews talks about it, is Jesus now is our high priest. So when we come to him, we make a mistake or we see something we want to be changed, we come to Jesus now as our high priest to God. What's the sacrifice? It's always him right? So it's always already there for you on your behalf. But now him as the high priest, he by grace transforms you to look like him, but you have to come to him. That's why Hebrew says that he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to him by faith, because he can change you and save you and transform you, right? We talked about what salvation looks like last week, healed, delivered, kept safe and sound, protected, all these things in this life that we can experience because we come to Jesus as our high priest, but a lot of us are hiding from Jesus, right? So then we're, we're stuck in this place and we can't actually be transformed. So look at this, Ephesians chapter 7, or 4, 17. To answer Marty's question. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind having their understanding darkened because, or being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. So why do people do what they do? Why do people outside of God do what they do? That's part of it. Huh? Selfish. These are all right answers. But in regards to what we just read, Right, because they're ignorant and they're living in vanity in their mind. They, they have, they're blind. It's so funny to me that like, we have to stop expecting non-Christians to, be, to act like Christians. They're not going to. That's like asking a blind person to read this. You would never do that because they're blind. Their hearts are dead, right? What? Jesus would do that. He'd be like, read this. Oh my God, I can see. I would do that also. Um, right? And that's why when we look at someone's life, we're saying, man, the reason that they're doing the things that they're doing is because they're blind and they're dead in their heart. And if they encounter the love of God and the person of Jesus and the sacrifice and the transformation and they're born again, their hearts become alive and now they can see. They can see. So we look at the world and we're like, how is it so dark? They're blind. The reason they're the blind, Jesus said they're blind leading the blind. That's what he's talking about is we have to see that that's why when you look at someone's life, you can't look at the, the problems that they're, they're having and, the, and the, the things that they're doing and the mistakes that they're making and the pain that they're causing. You have to look past all that and say, man, if they could only see. Right, we sing it all the time. 
I was blind, but now I see. That's what it is. If they could only see, my job is to make that clear to them. Now, when they see it, they'll accept it. And now everything will be changed because now they see it. Does that make sense? It's simple. I was talking to Evan about it. He goes, I was telling Andrew, you asked the question. Are you going to get the answer? (laughs) Okay, go ahead. You're good. You're good. You're good. It'll be on Spotify. (laughs) I know, I'm just kidding you. Right? So you were blind, but now you see. So when, that's why God, when he, looks at, when he looks at your life, he never loses sight of who you are. When, he, when you were in the deepest, darkest pit of sin and rebellion, he looked at your life and he said, man, they just don't understand who they are. That's why when Jesus is hanging on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't actually know what they're doing because their bl- sin has blinded their, their hearts. So because of blindness, people are doing what they're doing. Now it says, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away, right? Paul says that I have the grace of God so that I can make all see. What is the hope of the gospel? To make all see. It's an understanding, it's a revelation of the love of God and of the transformation that comes in him. So we just have to see this. That, And this is what, to answer Marty's question, Keep reading. Verse 19, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanliness with greediness. So the reason that we, that people had done this and the reason that a lot of people that aren't saved, but even believers walk in this is because they don't know and they're, they're blind. That's why truth sets you free. So read this. But you have not so learned Christ. Right, so one of the things that we have to see in Christianity is we're, it's a discovery of a person called Jesus. That's why when you come here, you're going to hear him preached. Because if you can see him, man, you'll, you can become like him. Because what we're learning, we have to learn Christ. We don't have to learn good deeds and behavior modification. We have to learn Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. And that's what I'm saying is everything that you see in your life, if it's not in the person of Jesus, then we ought to question why we're living in it. If we, cause he is the truth. So right here, verse 22, this is, this is all this to answer Marty's question that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, we've read this multiple times. I mean, I've, I preach this all the time. Because we have to realize that our new man was, past tense, created according to God in righteousness and holiness. That's why your heart, that's why Marty's question is he wants to live like Jesus because his nature and his heart wants to be holy. Plain and simple. Does that make sense? That's why righteousness produces its fruit to holiness. It's not the other way around, right? That's why righteous living does not give you righteous, or holy living does not give you righteousness with God. Righteousness comes by faith in Jesus alone. And now because of that faith and because of righteousness, creating a new man in your heart, you want to walk out holy living. That's why it's called abiding in him and being transformed into his image. So this is, what do you guys want to struggle with? What do you want to grow in? 
What you, no, like just give me an example that I can run with. What's something that you want to see fruit in? Like if, if, if I'm somebody. You don't have to do it your personal. You can just make up anything you want. You don't actually have to say you, like just, you're stealing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 Has anyone ever experienced? That's really good. Has anyone not that specific, but has anyone ever experienced something like that in your life? Just very subtle that you're like, I mean, the Lord just showed me something like that the other day. I'm trying to think what it was, but it's like, huh? You're like, I remember what it was. No, I can't remember what it was. Um, oh, yeah, that's so good. But regardless, I'll tell that in a minute. Um, so when you see that in your life right there, this is what, and this is why it's so important to believe that the gospel transforms your life is because if you believe that you're still a sinner, if you believe that sin is just something that you're always going to produce, then you'll believe that that's what you're, of course, I'm just trying, I'm trying my best to be saved and trying my best to walk like Jesus. Not realizing that your new man, because of the gospel, has transformed you into righteousness and holiness. The reason that it's bringing up is Holy Spirit brought that up to you, to show it to you so that you could be transformed, right? I always say he brings it up not to shame you, but he brings it up to handle it and deal with it. So when you see something like that in your life, you have to be like, holy cow, right now in this moment, I have all the grace of God, all the power of heaven to change this thing in my life. You'd be like, right now, in this moment, I have the ability. The reason that I'm seeing it is because God wants it out of my life. So this is how you do, and this is what, it, this is what practically, this is what I would do. I'd be like, I would spend, I would go in by myself. I don't care if I'm driving. It, most of the time, the Lord speaks that to me, like, while I'm driving, or like, not driving, but while I'm, while I'm by myself, like, he doesn't, I'm not, the Lord's not going to be like, Pearl, this is something you struggle with. And I'll say it from the pulpit so everyone hears it. Like, you understand? Like, he's a good father, tender lover. Like, so he's bringing you aside. He's like, hey, I want to talk about this, right? If your son's doing something, you're not going to call him out in front of all his friends and all, your, all the brothers and sisters. You'll, like, pull him aside and be like, hey, like what, like, what are you doing? And talk to him as a father. So in that, I, I, would, I would spend time with the Lord, and I'd sit there and be like, man, Lord, I see this in my life right here. Like, when this happens, when I get around these certain type of people, I start to try to you know, say I shot a six point or I shot a six point, but I really shot a 12 point, right? Trying to whatever, like you're, you're fisherman style. You're telling them what kind of fish you caught, all this stuff. And it wasn't that big, right? Or you're telling a testimony and it really didn't go down like that. A lot of people do that. And I used to do that, not in that way, but like very much like being what? Are you telling Stacy a bunch of things? No, but like, if it, I used to do that all the time. Is like, I would, and it wasn't to exaggerate the truth. It was to make it easier for people to understand the conversation. And it was like, I'm like, man, that wasn't actually how they said that. But I knew what they were trying. So it's like, it's lying when it all when it's all said and done. So I had to address that in my heart. So I'm like, I'm just gonna tell it straight. And even people don't understand what that person was talking about. I did. So it's whatever. But same thing. So. In that moment, I know I'm getting all over the place, but in that moment, I'll be like, all right, Father, I see this happen in my life. I see this happen when I'm around these people. I don't know where this is coming from. I need you to show me. 
I need you to, because ultimately what it always comes down to is an identity issue that you're believing somewhere, right? You're trying to make yourself look a certain way before people, or you're trying to uh, gain certain people's approval. Because in reality, you wouldn't actually tell a white lie like that unless you wanted those people to think a certain way, right? And that's usually what the Holy Spirit will do is, Jared says it all the time, and I love it. He goes, 100% of the time, you're the problem. Doesn't matter what the issue is, you're the problem. And most of the time we're like, well, it's this person. And if they weren't like that, it's like, no, you're the issue. Because if you could, if you thought different and saw different, then they wouldn't be all the problems. Because most of the time it's this problem and that person's a problem, this person's a problem. And I'm like, there's one common denominator and it's you. Right? So we just have to admit that. It's 100%. So I say 100, like even if something Taya's doing that I think is not right, 100% of the time, I'll, I'll check my own heart first. And usually there's something in it that I need to address. And then I have a position to now address it because I'm like, I'm actually giving, there's always, there's always me throwing something in the pot also, right? So I'm positioning my heart and I'm saying, man, Father, I need you to show me and, and reveal to my heart, Holy Spirit, in this moment, what I'm believing that's making me do this. And even if I don't get a clear answer in that moment, I'm saying right now, this is what it looks like to put off the old man and to put on the new man. I'm saying, man, you did not create me to live in deception. You did not create me to live sharing white lies. Like you created me to share truth and everything that comes out of me is truth because you created me in righteousness and holiness. I don't want that in my life. So Holy Spirit, transform me, make me like you and help me to see that, that when I'm when I'm in that situation, I start to feel like I, I need to impress these people or I need to share this or I need to do that. Like, just speak to my heart and show me that that's not who I am. And continue in my time with you, in my prayer time, in my Bible reading, in scripture, in church, around people. Show me who I am that I don't ever have to gain people's approval. This is what I'm talking out loud. This is what I would do. I'm saying this out loud, word for word. I'm saying, because I don't want that in my life, Lord. So what I'm doing right there is I'm putting off the old man because I see something in the old man and really it's just a mindset and an identity. So I'm putting off the old man by faith and I'm believing that I'm putting on the new man and now grace is making that my reality. So now when you're in that situation, you might feel yourself start to do the same thing that you always did and you'll feel a tug in your heart, I promise. And you're like, because the Lord is starting to grow the identity of who you are, and now righteousness is producing its fruit to holiness. And all of it, and all of the transformation that is coming is just because you've positioned yourself by faith to receive something from him. Does that make sense practically? So it doesn't matter what the situation is. I always go and always let him speak to me, and I'll be like, Lord, is there any scripture? Is there any truth that you need? Is there anything that like you need to show me. And it's like, sometimes he might show you something like, hey, dude, you've always lived like this. Or this person always said this around you and this is why you believe this. And I'm like, holy God, what the heck? Like, that's not true. And it's like, once you see that truth, it starts to solidify your identity. And now righteousness is working in you. Grace is working in you to make that your reality. So now when you walk that out, and this is what's sweet, is you, you used to be somebody that just, you know, stretched the truth, all these things you're not anymore. Now God gets all the glory because all you did was position yourself in grace to receive, right? It's not you being like, well, I got saved and I knew I wasn't supposed to do it and now I'm not doing it as much and I'm doing pretty good, right? Like that's a sweet testimony. <laughs> you know what I mean? Would you lay hands on me so that I don't do that and be pretty good? You know what I mean? But if you position yourself right here and you humbled yourself and said that you were wrong and received grace, anybody can do that doesn't matter what the situation is. That's why when Jesus does something, 
He does it in your life. He can do it in anybody's life because all it takes is faith and grace like we talked about last week. It's faith by grace. Does that make sense? Does that answer your question? It's, that's why Christianity, well, look at this. Go to Philippians chapter three. I was teaching this week on this. One of my friends has a, has a Facebook something ministry-ish thing. And like, I was teaching on it and I'm like reading the scripture and like the Lord gave me an answer that I've been looking for for a while in the moment. And I just paused. I'm like recording it and it's going to go live on Facebook. And I'm like, wow, that's really good. And then I just like went back to like teaching what I was teaching. But I was like, that was super good. And it's like, that's why when I'm seeking him and I ask him questions, like I know the answer's coming. I just got to just keep doing what I'm doing and keep abiding in him. So Ephesians chapter three. Verse, um, <clears throat> Philippians chapter three. Sorry, guys. Um, man, let's verse, verse eight. So this is Paul preaching, okay? Paul's saying, or writing, he's saying, yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but righteousness, but that righteousness, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Right, so he's saying, Righteousness, which comes through the law, through your good deeds, through your striving, he does not want any part of it. But he's saying that, he's, that he might be found in him, in Christ, having the righteousness that comes by faith. And then verse 10, it says that. What does that mean? Right, it ties the two together. He's saying, I have righteousness by faith in God so that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, if by any means I may obtain to the resurrection. So what he's saying is righteousness gave him the ability to know God. So now because Marty has righteousness, it's given to him by faith in God alone, not by his own works, not by his own striving, by the blood of Jesus provided it for him. Now he can come to him every time because he can know him. And he might know him so that he can experience the power of his resurrection. Does that make sense? So righteousness gave you the ability to know God. That's why I say righteousness is the birthplace of intimacy. Jesus made a way back to relationship with, with God, not going to heaven one day, relationship with him. So now in that relationship, because of righteousness, because of mercy provided righteousness for me, I might experience the power of his resurrection. Right? The power of his resurrection is what transforms us because he's alive to God. It's like Romans chapter 6 says, we died to sin so that we might live for him. So we have experienced something because of righteousness and now we know God. And because we know him, we get to experience the freedom, the transformation, the power of the resurrected Christ. Because who raised the Holy Spirit or who raised the, man, I gave it away, golly. Man, 
right? So who gave, so the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead and now he dwells in us. So that resurrection power now lives in us to make him like, make us like him because we were dead and now we're alive. We were blind and now we see. Does that make sense? So that's why we have to understand, we have to understand righteousness. We have to understand the new man. We have to understand what we've been given. So now any situation that you see in your life, let's say I sit down with Jared, Jared's like, hey, I don't see that, like what you're doing right here, the way that you're saying this, or, the, or it, it seems like it's coming from this kind of heart when you say this. I'm like, man, Lord. So I come back here and I know that, all right, God's not condemning me. He's made me righteous in his sight. Now, I don't want that in my life. So I'm gonna put that off by pra- in prayer and I'm gonna put on the new man in relationship and I'm gonna let Holy Spirit transform that in my life, right? So I, it doesn't make you nitpicking in your life. You don't wanna look at all the things in your life that are problems and try to come to them. But when you see something, when you're going along and you see something that's not fruitful, and really what it comes by is the more you see Jesus, the more you, you reflect him. So you see him, you're like, I didn't really look like that when somebody called me out, right? Or when somebody tried to do me wrong, I didn't really look like that. So Lord, I don't want to live like that. And I know that you created me to look like your son. Does that answer your question? Is there any other questions on that? Is that a practical example? Are those practical examples? You guys want another one or no? You want another one? Yeah. So like... Sometimes there'll be things in my life. Go ahead. You got a question? Yeah, I was going to ask practically how does sincerity look in addressing situations? That's really good. So he said practically how does sincerity look in addressing situations like that, right? That's why this is really good because I asked the Lord, I said, how long right here? He says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind like Ephesians says. I said, "How how long does that take? He said, it doesn't take long. It just takes sincerity. So if you're sincere and you're, and you're in the changing of your mind, if you're sincere that you really want that, then things start to change very quickly because you're, you've positioned yourself in sincerity, not striving. Because really what sincerity does is you don't, you don't have any ability to change yourself, but you're just sincere and want change. That's what Jesus wants is a want to. True repentance is just a want to. It's like, man, I was going that way. I was living that way. I was like this, but I don't want to be like that. That's what, true, that's what true repentance happens. That's why to come to Jesus, you have to die to yourself so that you can live because you see it. You're like, I don't want that. I need to die to it. But you have no ability to kill yourself and go into that transformation and kill yourself as in the man, the old man. So how does sincerity play into that? Is really sincerity just, man, I'm trying to, in reality, you know if you're sincere or you're not. That's what it all comes down to. Only you can really tell if you're sincere. When you, when you get alone with the Lord, and that's why it's so important to have alone time with Jesus, because you're, only, you're your you, truest you when you're by yourself, right? Because nobody nobody's going to lie to you. You're not going to lie to yourself and say that you're doing what you need to do in, in, in the sincerity aspect of saying, well, I'm actually super sincere. You can say that to people all the time, and, but when you get by yourself, you know if you're sincere or not, Right? And that's why Jesus wants to be with you when there's nobody else around. Because what, and this is why righteousness is so important, knowing that you have that place in him. 
Because if you don't, if you don't realize that you, when you come to him, you're not going to be rejected. You're going to be accepted. You're always, you're, there's always a place for you and his ear is always open towards you. If you don't believe that, the best that you'll have with Jesus is a corporate worship gathering. And that's what a lot of people do. The best that they have is they, there's a corporate gathering where they come in and hope that Jesus comes by and touches them. And a lot of people are living outside of their relationship with Jesus, right? So they're coming to try to fit in, hoping that Jesus is accepting them. And they're doing all the things in church, trying to be accepted. But when they shut their door, they don't feel accepted at all. And they don't feel beloved and they don't feel encouraged. and They don't feel close to him. That's why righteousness is so important. So when you get by yourself, you know if you're sincere and you just say, all right, Father, you just check your heart and be like, I'm, the reason that I'm in the bedroom is because I want to be changed. That's what I say all the time. I'm like, I'm here. That means, I, that means I'm sincere. That's why faith without works is dead. It's because your faith is putting you in the bedroom to be changed. The fact that Marty could see, okay, well, I don't want to do that anymore. Sincerity looks like, all right, I'm going to go spend some time. I'm going to go, go for a walk. I'm going to go get in a tree stand is what I would do, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go get, I'm going to go get in a tree stand and tell him that I'm, that I, I really want to address this in my heart. Or you're just going to hear that and be like, if you're really not sincere, you're not going to, you're not going to take that next step to go be with Jesus. Does that make sense? Because a lot of times we'll hear something and we're like, yeah, I appreciate that. And then you don't, you don't address it in your heart. That's where the problem lies. That where, that's where it comes down to is we have to be people that when we hear him, we know that he's drawing us by faith and love. We know that he's drawing us in righteousness. We know that he's drawing us into a tender transformation. But if we believe that he's harsh or he's judgmental or he's not actually, or he's going to push you away or condemn you, then you'll never come to him. Right? A lot of the things that we believe about God does not produce intimacy in our life. So we need to question that. If what we're believing about God is not bringing us closer to him, then, why, then how, is that, how can that be Jesus? How can that be the truth? Does that make sense? I know that was a long answer for that. But really, sincerity looks like something. It looks like you doing something. It looks like you saying, and it's not you mustering up something. It's you just, sincerity looks like you positioning yourself in the shower head of grace, right? It's like, all right, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna put myself there so that I can be changed. Might not feel it, might not feel like I wanna even do it. I remember when I was trying, I was, somebody, whatever, somebody did something wrong and they weren't sorry about it and they didn't care. And I didn't really care to forgive them, to be honest with you. I told the Lord, I said, I don't really even want to forgive this dude. So like, there's that Lord. I just, I don't want to because he doesn't seem like he's very wrong or very, like he's not, he's not sorry. So why should I forgive this dude? That's not sorry, you know? And then Jesus, I'm like, but I know, I know that you said that while I was an enemy of the cross, you forgave me. So while I wasn't, I wasn't just neutral to the cross, I, was an, I have positioned myself as an enemy to the cross and you forgave me. So I had to sit there. I'm like, Lord, I want to want to forgive this guy and I want to see him the way that you see him and I want to position myself to receive forgiveness in such a way that it starts to transform my life to where I become forgiveness. I, right now, if I'm honest with you, Jesus, I don't want to and, I don't, and the dude needs to be judged is what I think but I know that that's not right because you never judged me when I was there, right? So he start, I'm, I'm like, so you need to grow me and transform me so that I see this clearly. And I can tell you now, like, to be honest, when you see that, when the forgiveness comes, it's like the devil tries to come and cut you with a dull knife because you, 
it's like, no, I see. When you see somebody clear because of something that you've seen on your behalf, right? When you see the forgiveness of Jesus so much for yourself, it's so easy to forgive somebody. So I just have to sit there. I'm like, you just need to change my heart. And that's what sincerity looks like. It's not that I want to. It's not that my flesh wants to forgive the guy, but it's like, I'm going to position myself because of truth, because I know who I am and because I know that you want me to walk like this. And I know that you love me and I know that you've forgiven me, that I want to become that same forgiveness, right? Because a lot of times we think that our, we have to be super excited about transformation all the time. It's like when the, when the Lord addresses something, sometimes it's not the awesomest thing in the world, right? But you know he loves you and that's why he's saying it, right? Discipline, it's discipline for a reason. But you know he loves you. So he comes and corrects something in your thinking, in your heart, and you're like, what the heck? Why am I thinking like that? And you, you feel like, you're like, that's a bummer. I don't actually like that. I'm, I'm, I don't want to live like that. But you're positioning yourself to receive mercy and grace and forgiveness. Does that make sense? I know I said a lot. And, and Is there any other questions? Does that answer your question on who? Is there any other questions? <clears throat> so you want to come play, B? So while we minister here, we're going to pray for some people. Jerry, will you take this? <clears throat> Guys, I... I had one more scripture I'm not going to get to, so I'll get to it next week. Um, well, let's just read it really quick, and then we're done. First Timothy, Second Timothy, chapter 3. Second Timothy chapter three, verse one <clears throat> it says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boast, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Not a good list, right? Having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such people turn away. And this is what I believe in this right here. He says, in the last days. I believe that Jesus is trying to, he's trying to get us to see that list right there when he says having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, a lot of times we think, well, yeah, they just don't believe in healing or they don't believe in the power of God to, to raise the dead or cleanse the lepers or whatever. What he's talking about is that list, right? We are not, we are not people that are called to have a form of godliness that denies the power to set you free from that list, right? Men, that's why when you look at someone's life, you can see what they believe. Your life lived proves what you believe. Because you either say, okay, I believe in Jesus, but I don't look anything like him, or I believe in Jesus and I want to look like him, so I'm going to submit to his power and be transformed, right? That's why it's the fruit of someone's life when you look at them and say, man, they look like Jesus. None of it was by their works. None of it was by their striving. None of it was by their effort. It's not legalism. It's only because they submitted to the power of God, which is the grace of God to transform somebody. That's why the gospel is called to change people and transform them.
But we can't be people that just preach and leave people where they're at, right? We can't be people that just teach people or even in our own life, see things like that in our own life and not address that, right? So I read that list. I'm like, is any of this stuff in my life, right? Am I disobedient to parents? (laughs) My dad's like, no. No, right? Wouldn't dream of it. Am I diso- whatever, I go through all these things and I'm like, is any of this in my life because I know that the love of Jesus wants to change my life in that area? Because I know that he already made the decision to get me, right? He already brought me near. I'm already his. And he's, like Titus says, he's purified me and made me zealous for good works. So the power of God in this last age, I think what actually will transform the world is when people start to see people that look like Jesus, I remember the Lord showed me in a vision one time. He's like, I saw this room. It was super cool because I don't even know if we were in this building at all. I think I was in my, I think we were still in my basement in my house and I saw this room and I saw a bunch of people that looked like Jesus, like, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes, purple satchel, just like Jesus looks like, right? On a felt cutout on the wall. You guys know, like the red felt with the sticky thing on the wall. That's what Jesus looks like. No, but they all look like Jesus. And I was like, man, Lord, what does that mean? And he's like, he goes, that's what the church is supposed to look like. And that's what you're called to. So everything that you do, everything that you think, everything that you pursue has to be godliness and Christ likeness. Because that's what Adam lost in the garden was Christ, was God likeness. So when we can see that Jesus church, or even in our own personal lives, my goal is to look like him. So if I see anything that's not fruitful, man, I know that the power, I'm not going to be somebody that has a form of godliness, but denies the power to actually transform me. And every time I come to him, I know, man, you're accepting me. And he, dude, God is so thankful. Like I remember just this a couple days ago, this is what, praise God. I came all the way back to that example. I said, the Lord showed me, he's like, Dylan, when you understand this, Sometimes you position yourself to be proud against people that don't understand this, right? Sometimes when we do things in Jesus church, like I let people talk, it's like you can look and say, well, other churches don't do that. And you, you become proud by the way that you do things because the Lord showed you something, right? The Lord gave you something. And you're like, yeah, look what I know. And it's like, you only, the only reason that you have it is because the Lord revealed it to you. And then you become proud. So the Lord's like, I was just, I was just driving in my car. Taya was with me and I'm like, man, I can't believe that. Like I do that all the time. And it's almost like, especially when I get around other people and they, they ask how church goes. And it's like, they say that, oh, it's kind of unconventional. And it's like, it just feeds that, that ego of like, oh yeah, we do things unconventionally, right? You're meeting in my basement. When we were meeting there, people were like, oh yeah, we meet in a basement. And it's like, you almost become proud of that. You're not meeting in a building or you're not doing it the way other people do it. So you must be special when all of that is just pride, right? So when the Lord showed that to me, I'm like, I just remember, I'm like, man, Lord, I'm so thankful. Because like, apart from his fathering, apart from his grace, man, we'd walk straight off a cliff. Do you understand that? It's, the Lord says it. He's like, like without the conviction of, of God, people would go from like brute beast straight, straight off. That's why it's so crazy to me that even people that aren't born again, if God took away people's conscience and his drawing and his conviction, man, the world would be a really, really bad place. That even unbelievers, God is, is by his grace, is continuing to speak. Before you knew Jesus, think about all the things that you did. You're like, man, I, like, you're like, I shouldn't do that. That's like, that's the Lord. 
That's the, that's the grace of God even when you don't see it. That's amazing to me that he's pursuing people and he, he's like, hey, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. And then you do it and you're like, I knew I shouldn't have done that, right? And it caused a bunch of pain and a bunch of suffering and now you're like, why did I do that? And the whole time, you didn't even know Jesus, but you're, you're doing all these things and you're like, but I knew I wasn't supposed to. That's, that's the grace of God. So I just know that like when he reveals that to me, I just remember like, man, Lord, I don't want that. Same thing, I just pursued him in, the, in my car, in my heart and was like, I don't want that in my life, Lord. Like, really let me see that clearly. And I just remember his pleasure came over me. I was like, he's like, Dylan, that's what I'm looking for. It's just like, he's just pleased with me because I'm submitting to him and, and I'm believing him by faith that he can change me. Right, that, like that's a good father is when he's just like, I'm, I'm, he's so pleased with me just because I believe him, just because I want to look like him, just because I'm sincere in my pursuit of him. I might not know everything. I definitely don't. I might not see everything and I definitely don't. But my heart is sincere and the Lord loves that, right? We just have to be people that just rest in that, that it's not a big striving, pursuit, effort, working really hard, have to change everything. It's like, no, my heart's sincere and I'm just thankful. And God's super pleased with me because I'm sincere and want him. And I know that he can change it from here on out. Does that make sense? So would you, would you stand with me? <clears throat> um, I'm going to dismiss us, but I want to pray. Um, I want to open it up for prayer for people. Jerry, you want to come up and pray? Nate, you go with him, okay? This is good. Um, Sam, you better not leave before I talk to you. I'll pray for your hand, okay? Um, I didn't know if you were going to slip out on me, so I'm just going to make it clear right now. Um, but yeah, I, I want to... Dad, you and Michelle want to come pray too? There we go. We'll have enough people. Right now, just in your heart, I want us to make some, like, I want you to believe that you're sincere, okay? I want everyone in this, in this place to just really just, let's close your eyes and go into your heart and just be like, look at it. The reason that you're here, the reason that you're pursuing is you're sincere. So just agree with God in saying that your heart is sincere and want him, okay? Just know that. Like, you don't have to strive for it. And stop selling yourself short and cheap, saying that you're not actually sincere in this thing. And know that that's what God's looking for. And then just feel his pleasure over your life right now because you want him. Like, he's pleased that you believe him and you believe in his son. just know that we can just come to him with whatever the situation, whatever the problem, whatever the thing that we need to see change, we can come to him and let his grace do it. I gotta, I'd be a bad pastor if I didn't push you to his feet. Father, we thank you. We're super, 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 super thankful for you. And we love you. And we thank you that you're continuing to show us 
the truth about us, about your son. I thank you, Lord, that we will see people transformed into your image by the glory of the Lord, by the grace of God, by the spirit of God. And Lord, we're just, we're positioning our hearts for that. We love you. We're thankful in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have a prayer, prayer team up here. Um, if you, anyone needs prayer, I felt specifically um, someone struggling with, I'll just, I'll just say, like herniated disc in their back or pain in their back. I could be wrong, but you have herniated disc in your That's you right there. These two cats, all right? Um, Yeah. And then if you just need prayer, not even just for healing, but just if you need somebody to stand with you, if you just want somebody to pray with you, um, we'd love to have you just come up and and they'll stand in agreement with you, okay? Um, But other than that, we love you guys. Have an awesome week. Um, We bless you and we're thankful for you. So I love y'all.